The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fullick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another show. This is Preparing for the Unexpected, and I'm your host, Alex Fullick. As always, we like to talk about different components of business continuity management or emergency response, disaster planning. And this week, we have a uh, very interesting topic, one that I think is uh, kind of the glue that holds many, many different things together, communications. And I have a wonderful guest this week, uh, Janine Sakach. She is... Well, I'm going to let her introduce herself, actually. Um, She has a great history in uh, communications, and she's uh, in communications right now. And one other thing, though, that I uh, would like to say, Janine is my cousin. So I'm very happy to have her on the show. Janine, welcome. Thanks, Alex. It's great to be here. I'm happy to have you here. How about um, you take some a few minutes and tell us about yourself, you know, your background, where you come from, um, you know, all your expertise and what you're doing now? For sure, yeah. Um, so I have a background in journalism, started out my career at a weekly newspaper and then a daily newspaper, and moved into communications within the healthcare sector about 12 years ago. So I've worked in... Uh, Uh, small health regions all the way to provincial health regions, and I'm currently a director of communications with Alberta Health Services. Um, I've also spent some time in Saskatchewan doing communications, and uh, they're also in healthcare, but uh, a little bit of a different uh, spin in terms of the role there is we weren't involved in sort of direct patient care kind of communication, but more around shared service um, types of things, so more business communication, I would say. Oh, that's good. Business communications is a key part, and that's something we're definitely focusing on here and uh, on the show. So, great. So, let's get started. Let's jump right into what it is we want to talk about today. Can you define for us, what really is communications? It's such a, a broad topic, I think, and technically, I guess, communications is really the exchange or the sharing of information or news. Um, what I do in terms of corporate communications is really focusing on um, internal and external sharing of information, so using a wide range of tools and tactics that uh, we have at our disposal, um, web platforms, news releases, videos, podcasts, um, those sorts of things to share information and um, update people on 
the work that we're doing and the services that we're delivering. So in Alberta Health Services, we are the um, operations, I guess, of healthcare services in the province. So we want to be able to share with our communities um, information about um, health services in their community, any changes in service delivery, um, information about programs that they can participate in, like um, education around diet, for example. So it's really um, really about uh, sharing information. It's also, um, for corporate communications, part of our role is also working to protect the reputation of our organizations and develop a favorable view of, of our organization, of our employer. And, um, and sometimes we're just, Sometimes we're simply informing our communities, but sometimes we're also engaging them to get feedback and to elicit some kind of an action or a reaction or a change in behavior. So it sort of runs the gamut, I guess, from um, sharing information to gathering information and um, sort of sharing all of that with internal and external audiences. Oh, okay. Thanks. So what is the communications process? Because I've always heard that it takes at least two to communicate. You know, um, what is it? Communication is dialogue. Otherwise, it's mono, It's a monologue. Mm-hmm. So what's the actual communication process? Because I, I really think a lot of people believe if you post a sign or if you just say something, you're communicating. I'm, I'm not so sure that's the case. Well, in my experience, the process can take a number of forms. So um, it's really about, I think for, for me, the first step in any kind of process is really understanding who my audience is and understanding, obviously, the message that we want to deliver, but who are we delivering it to and what is the best form in which to deliver that information. So typically, you know, we would... Um, gather the information that we need, draft up some key messages, prepare a spokesperson or prepare supporting materials, and that could be, you know, memos, a website story, a media release, a briefing note, um, backgrounders, news, um, public service announcements, those sorts of things. And then really sort of understanding who is your audience and how are you going to deliver that information to them. So not all audiences are made the same. And your process really needs to recognize um, how they might receive information. For us, um, physicians are a difficult audience for us because they are so incredibly busy and they're being bombarded by information from all kinds of um, sources. And if we want to get their attention, we have to, you know, figure out what is the best way if they're being inundated by emails? Do we really want to just send them another email that gets lost in in the mass amount of email that they get? Or do we want to do some face-to-face communication? Do we want to invite them to a lunch meeting and maybe serve them um, sandwiches, cookies? So with physicians, do we want to maybe invite them to a luncheon, for example, and provide sandwiches and cookies and then they have an opportunity to have lunch, get some information that they need, and then get back to their patients as soon as they can. So depending on the topic, depending on the audience, um, our processes could be a, one, a quick one-day turnaround, or sometimes we can work on something for months um, before we're actually ready to roll it out to 
our audiences and to our communities. So how do you determine, you know, what topic gets what um, communication channel? You know, what defines, you know, this topic d- determines, you know, a lunch and learn or a sandwiches. You know, this one is an email. And how do, how do you go through that process? How do you determine wh- which is the best channel to, to leverage? We often will um, do a lot of brainstorming, really, just amongst ourselves within communications and with our content experts. So if we're working with um, a surgical unit, for example, to put together something that we need to deliver to surgeons, we might have the manager or the director of surgical services at a hospital involved in that planning process. Um, We will sometimes use focus groups if it's an external type of an audience. In in Alberta, and I think this is true in a lot of um, healthcare healthcare communications, you have um, health advisory councils that are made up of people from the public, from the community, and we often will tap into those groups to sort of say, here's a message we need to deliver. Um, you know, here's the audience that we need to reach. What do you think? How do you think we would best um, serve that community? Posters, emails, um, using our local media, pulling together the community into a stakeholder engagement session. So we often will look to, you know, people who are actually in the audience that we're trying to reach to help us to determine our process and, and how we go about delivering information. Uh, so it's not just a bunch of people who say, oh, this is what we're going to do. You, you actually have to gauge your audience and then develop the message based on that, right? Absolutely. I think that's so key because, you know, I, I'm not a surgeon, and uh, I don't live in small rural Alberta, so I don't know what uh, is the best way to for, for those individuals to receive information. So it's really important for us to look to our audiences and look to our stakeholders to get some advice and get some feedback, and, and they can tell us what works and what, what doesn't work. And, and I think we also sort of need to look at, you know, historically how have we done if we've... Um, been working with the community on a particular um, topic and things aren't going well, we need to sort of stop and take a look in the mirror and say, what are we doing well and what are we doing poorly and how can we do things differently? So how we're getting our message across, are they, are they capturing it? Even if you can, you know, you put up thousands of posters, no one's paying attention, you know, mm-hmm. because it's the wrong way of doing it. That's right. not what... So you, you kind of are doing some... Uh, you're getting, you're kind of communicating before you're actually communicating the message. You know, you're, if I understand you correctly, you're asking people, you know, how do you want to receive this information? What's the best way? And then you develop uh, after that, not just we're going to tell you this and here's how we're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really about. Um, I think communications has moved away from a, a telling and doing too to more of a partnership kind of approach and involving your audiences, involving your stakeholders in the work that you're doing. Yeah, I think that's important. That there was a, There's an example I'd like to give you of failed communication on my part, where back in my restaurant days, we used to get notices from our head office, and we had to put them up in the staff room, and you know they always came looking the same, the same letterhead. They always got posted in the same spot. 
And me, I got fell into the routine of, oh, here's a new message, blah, 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 post it on the wall, and then would get frustrated when people didn't know that it had changed. You know, hey, you're not supposed to be doing it that way. You're supposed to be doing it this way. And someone, you know, one of the supervisors I had in the in the front of the house, a, a server, she turned around and said, well, how do I know the message changed if it always looks the same and the vehicle's always the same? You know, but, yeah, and I kind of went, oh, light bulb moment, you know, mm-hmm. and so it makes a big difference, you know, on making sure, as you mentioned, the stakeholders involved, you know, catering to what they are expecting. Exactly. So you mentioned the delivery methods. What are some of the ways that are being leveraged these days? Because you you mentioned yourself, communication is changing. Well, so is the technology landscape and the ways we're all communicating. So what are you finding are, are the trends now in communication? What's working and what's not working or what used to work doesn't work as much anymore, you know? You know, it's funny because as I was thinking about this interview, I was thinking about that and, and um, you know, we used to be very, very reliant on posters um, and, I, and I speak obviously for the health sector and um, we were very reliant on posters because we have internally in particular, we have a lot of audiences who don't necessarily have access to email. You know, we don't have... Nurses aren't necessarily sitting looking at their email 24-7, or at least we hope they're not because we want them to be delivering care. So um, how do we reach them with information? And we, as I said, we were very reliant on posters to do that. Um, What I think I'm seeing is more of a trend towards um, the engagement side of things and more of a face-to-face kind of conversation. So looking for opportunities to get people into a room and have more of a conversation with them and then back that up with um, some of the traditional types of media or communications that we would use. So um, newsletters are a thing of the past, I think, like print newsletters, but you might go in with a handout, like a one-pager, a Q&A, or something like that, that backs up that sort of face-to-face conversation that you're doing. Or you might back it up with a poster. Um, but as long as, but what I'm, I think what we're seeing is people are so busy, they really want those nuggets of information. They don't have time to sit and read um, a big, long piece of information. So they want you to give it to them. And I think maybe this is born out of the social media world that we're we're in and the hundred and forty character tweets, but we we see people just their attention span is just not the same. And so it's we're really finding that go in there with four or five key messages, deliver them in a face to face way, answer their questions, give them something that they can take away and look at later and and then you know, have some follow up at the end of the day where you can uh um, go back and make sure that they have the information that they need to understand the issue or the topic. And, uh, and, and we augment all of that with our social media platforms, with our website, um, you know, with some of those more traditional pieces, with podcasts even, um, because people are, more, are starting to get more auditory and visual and they can listen to things in their vehicle when they're driving to and from work. So those are some of the things I think that I'm seeing 
um, changing in this environment. Media was is another thing that I think we're seeing significant changes in. There's um, a lot of newsrooms are you know being decimated really, and there are fewer and fewer reporters that are covering stories. And so, how do we effectively use media to share information with our communities um, when they have fewer and fewer um, reporters and they are you know less and less likely to cover the stories that they used to cover in the past. So we have to find ways to get them to cover those stories. So we're, we're doing more testimonials. We're doing more patient experience stories. Um, we're sort of trying to hit the human interest side of things to generate that kind of interest from our local media. Is that because social media has made such an impact on uh, you know, communications that now everybody can kind of communicate a message rather than just, you know, certain organizations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the I think they call it an armchair quarterback, but now we have armchair journalists out there who, you know, are taking information and they're posting it. And so that's another challenge that we face in communications. When we have um, people posting on their Facebook pages that, you know, something posting something as fact that we know is not fact, and then it gets shared over and over and over again. How do we then bring that message back and make sure that all of the same people have, you know, the facts as we see them? And uh, it's it's a big challenge. Social media has created a, an entirely new dynamic within communications. Yeah, social media has uh, impacted the disaster recovery business continuity realm quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. So, so on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Janine Sakach, uh, Director of Communications at Alberta Health, and uh, tune in for more information about communications. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back for Preparing for the Unexpected. Uh, This week's guest is Janine Sakach, and we're talking about communications. So we're going to continue on from our last segment, but we're going to move it just a little bit to what is crisis communications. So what what does crisis communications involve, Janine? Um, well, crisis communication, um, in my mind, is really around an issue that is either threatening um, the safety of a community in in our world. Um, we had floods in 2013 that I was involved in the communications with, the pandemic, H1N1. Um, I wasn't involved directly in this, but thinking about the Fort McMurray fires in Alberta last year. So those are... Um, sort of a crisis that we need now to communicate around to make sure that um, our audiences have current, accurate, up-to-date information um, that can help them to stay safe and to um, know where they should be, where they can get assistance, and uh, any other sort of key pieces of information um, to help them get through that crisis. So So it helps coordinate things. To help coordinate things, yeah. And I sort of, I think about, you know, the um, the pandemic H1N1 was is sort of a distant memory now. I don't know if I kind of blocked it from my mind because <laughs> it was such an intense um, period of time. But one of um, the 2013 floods in Alberta sort of stick in my mind because um, I was based in southern Alberta at that time and we had... Um, rivers in Lethbridge, Alberta and Medicine Hat, Alberta that were flooding and were going to effectively split those two cities, making it impossible for people on one side of the city to access a hospital and for ambulances to get back and forth and um, those sorts of things. So we had a lot of um, communication to do to make sure that um, our staff, our physicians knew where they should be and and how they could get there. We had to work with community agencies to make sure that we had um, systems in place to get people back and forth. So in, so in Medicine Hat, for example, we um, set up a field hospital on one side of the city, and we worked with um, the local military to provide a helicopter to fly back and forth. So if we needed to take a patient from one side of the hospital, or sorry, one side of the city to the hospital on the other side of the city, we had a means to do that. 
And we set up that um, field hospital within about 24 hours, and we needed to communicate to um, the city of Medicine Hat and all of the residents that that service was available to them in the event of an emergency. And we worked really closely with the city. We worked really closely with the, the local military base, and we um, used social media heavily during um, that um, flood because we had, you know, all the people that were following on Twitter and on Facebook and other places, and we were able to more immediately get our messages out. Radio and um, TV were particularly um, good means of, of getting communication out because they were more current and more on the spot, especially radio, who could do updates on the half hour or even if it was something really key, they could interrupt their programming and do sort of a public service announcement. So it, it's... Um, I actually really enjoy crisis communication because it's... Um, I, I think maybe it's from my newspaper days. It gives a bit of an adrenaline rush and uh, it's it's really amazing to see how people really come together in a crisis and become so very much focused on that incident and what they need to do. And it's just, it's incredible. And in healthcare, I can't speak for other areas. I'm sure it's very similar. But in healthcare, you just, it's just incredible. All of the healthcare providers, physicians, nurses, um, everybody that works in the system just really comes together and their focus is so completely on the patient and making sure that the care is um, provided. It's, it's an incredible experience to be part of something like that. So crisis communications, I guess, is because it, you know, it re- as you say, it brings people together, but doing that at the same time can also save, you know, can save lives, can reduce the impacts of disasters on people, Mm-hmm. You know, if it's all managed and coordinated correctly, you know, and it, and it, it does, it gives a sense of, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if accomplishment is the right word, but it, you definitely know that with crisis communications, you're, you're certainly helping people, you know, under, under um, uh, that could be under duress, you know, because of what the situation is, you know, so crisis communications actually helps with that. Yeah, it's, it's one time when you really can feel like you're making a difference. Um, in communications, often, you know, you're a little bit distant from in, from what the service is. So in healthcare, I don't deliver care to patients. I don't touch patients. So it sometimes feel very much removed from what Alberta Health Services is actually doing in terms of delivering um, healthcare services. So when you do crisis communication in that kind of environment, you definitely sort of have a sense that that you're having an impact and that you're making a difference. Okay, that sounds great. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who really liked uh, crisis communications. <laughs> 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 they always get nervous when you, you start talking about communications. It, it, it becomes, we'll do this, we'll do that, without you know, some of the um, detail and pre-work that you've already you know, uh, explained to us. Mm-hmm. So uh, on that note, how do you measure effective communications? What what kind of things are in place? Like how do you know you're getting your message across? You know, to to all these different people using all these different uh, channels and you know and timings as well. You know, I'm sure sending a message out at midnight is going to be taken differently than messages sent out during the you know at noon. So mm-hmm. how do you measure good good communications? 
Um, well, I think what, it, measuring effective communication is one of the challenges I think that we face because really in terms of corporate communications, you're trying to... Um, you're trying to elicit a response from somebody or an action or a reaction to something. So um, it's, that's very, very hard to measure. Like how many people's minds did you change with this particular message? And then I so really think that um, one of the first things we need to do is, is clearly articulate what is our goal. And, and then you can kind of say, how am I going to measure? How am I going to determine whether I'm achieving that goal? Or, those, or if there's multiple goals. So there's a variety of tools that you can use. You can measure how many people visit your website. You can use your survey. You can do focus groups. You can um, use um, the number of letters to the editor or something about an issue or the number of um, people who attend a town hall meeting. So those are things that you can kind of look at. So one of the examples of something that we might measure in our in uh, healthcare communications is um, is our influenza campaign. So every year across Canada, we launch um, influenza campaigns to convince Canadians to get their flu shot. We look at the number or the percentage of people in our communities who got their flu shot last year and we compare it to the number who got their flu shot this year. And we look at how much money are we spending on our campaigns, where are we advertising our campaigns, what was more effective, less effective. Sometimes we survey people who come in to get their flu shot. How did you hear about this this particular clinic? And that helps us to determine whether the money or the budget that we're spending on media advertising, for example, is value add, or whether our website is the more popular means of people getting that information. We also measure internally how many staff are um, getting their flu shots and what percentage of our, say, long-term care staff who are treating more vulnerable populations are getting their flu shot every year and how are we doing in terms of our internal communication to to help them to feel confident that the influenza vaccine is both safe and effective. And it's challenging in corporate communications to measure how successful your messages are because often it's not just our messages that are coming out of corporate communications. It's not always the posters, the social media, the mainstream media, um, and those sort of pieces sometimes... It's the key messages that we give to managers when they meet with staff and they talk to their staff. Sometimes that's the piece that gets people to come in and get their flu shot. So it's really, it's a really challenging area to understand. It's, it's very expensive to measure because surveys, phone surveys, those sorts of things, which are really, I think, probably the most um, solid pieces of measurement that you can use, those are very expensive means of, of measuring. So it's, it, is, it is very challenging, and I just really always come back to clearly articulating those goals, really understanding what you're trying to achieve, and then hopefully from there you can figure out how you're going to see if you've been successful or not. 
And I'm sure it's easy to tell when you're not successful. Because, uh, you know, with communications, you you, know, you always hear the negative coming back. You, you never hear the positive half the time. So what what do you do? I, I don't mean you personally, but in, as a communications expert, what do you recommend doing if, if let's say, I put out a message and it came across wrong? What, how, what are the best ways for me to resolve that? What, what are some of the things I probably did wrong? I think probably the first thing that you, we might miss when we know that we've missed the mark with a message or with a communication strategy, it often comes back to, did we actually engage our audience before we went out? Or did we just sort of decide from some office somewhere that this shall be how we will communicate to this group of people? And if we don't engage them at the beginning, at the outset, and have that conversation and really understand um, their perspective on whatever the topic is, I think that is where we fail. And it really does come as it really does come back to sort of that engagement and that relationship building and really understanding your audience, understanding their needs, understanding how they prefer to receive information. And, you know, what is, what is the most effective way for them to, to hear something? I think you're right. You know, it's, you've got to engage your stakeholders. Um, we had a show uh, last week on project management. And that was one of the key things that uh, my guest then, Sue, had brought up as well, is leveraging your, your stakeholders to help build the right message and the plans and what you need to do and they're managing their expectations. And when it comes to disaster recovery and the business continuity plans that get developed, you can't just do it, as you said, you know, sitting in a room somewhere. You have to engage everyone, you know, this is what we're going to do. And when you have that, you know, situation occur, your business disruption, you can't just all of a sudden um, assume everything's going to work. If you've never communicated how you do this, you haven't engaged everybody so they know what to do, you know, and, and what, what's expected of them. Yeah, completely agree. So uh, let's go to something that I know uh, you wanted to specifically talk about today is the transparency in communications. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so transparency, open, transparent communication, it's sort of a, um, a bit of a cliche, and I'm not sure that we always um follow that sort of rule, but I think open and transparent communication is so key. And uh, when you, when you, it sort of comes to, I think about, I compare it with disclosure. So we hear a lot about um, disclosure in healthcare. So if an error has been made and we disclose to the patient that an error has been made and we apologize and we do everything that we can to fix whatever that error is, if we can fix it we are less likely to see those individuals um, contact a lawyer or go to the media or do any of those negative things that affect the corporation's reputation if we are open and transparent in those kinds of communications. And I think that that transfers into almost any kind of communication that we're doing. If we are open and transparent, if we tell people what we know, what we don't know, but what we're going to do 
to get information to them as soon as we know it. I think that gives us a lot of um, it gives us a lot of sorry, I'm losing the word. It helps us to maintain our reputation. It helps us to build trust with our audiences. And that is really important to me. I think that we don't do enough of that. We're so worried often in uh, a corporate world that if we share too much information that we will um, create problems or we'll create anxiety or we'll create fear. And in fact, I think it's the opposite. We, when people know that you and start to trust you and recognize that you're giving them the information and all the information that you can give them, um, they start to trust you more. And, and I think that helps us to communicate more effectively with our audiences. I agree completely with that. And we're going to take another break and we will be right back with our guest, Janine Sakach and talking about communications. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. We're speaking with communications expert Janine Sakach. And Janine has been giving us some great information on communications so far. 
And now I'd like to actually uh, focus on uh, the communications person. You know, you mentioned uh, we talked about crisis communications, so that leads us to crisis communication teams, um, and you know, and the communications expert, the people who's uh, speaking to media and the public. What kind of skills and knowledge uh, sets do these kind of people have? What what should they have? What makes a good crisis uh, communications person or or a communications person in general? Mm-hmm. So I. I really do believe that people who are good at communications or public relations have some instinct for that kind of work. So really needing to be calm in the face of crisis, um, not being, um, being able to um, speak truth to power, I guess, in a way. It's... Um, when you work with a CEO and you are advising them and they say, no, no, I'm going to do this, and you know that that's the wrong decision or that's the wrong approach and that's going to get them in oh. trouble, you need now to No, that never to happens. We, we always know CEOs <laughs> listen to us, right? You know. <laughs> Absolutely. You need to be able to have the confidence to really sort of, you know, articulate to them, here's the risks. You know, being able to strategize and being able to sort of see the big picture and see all the different paths that could happen. So, you know, if if a CEO wants to do, you know, wants to travel down path A and you know that that's pretty risky, you want to be able to lay out for that individual, here's the risk. So if you do that and you're the CEO, you can decide. But if you go down path A, here's what potentially could happen. And I... I sort of think of um, the incident with the United Airlines a little bit ago where the passenger was dragged off the plane and we saw mm-hmm. the different messaging that was coming out of the CEO's office. And I I remember thinking about the communications people who were behind the scenes advising that CEO. And I'm confident that a good communications person would have been advising that CEO to apologize, be empathetic, and say we're investigating, and then stop, full stop. That CEO did something different and then had to come back and do another message and then had to come back, I think, a third time and deliver a different message. But because the first message was so off point, nobody trusted the follow-up messages. Nobody believed those other messages. So communications people need to be able to speak to CEOs and speak to leaders and really tell them clearly, like, here's the risks, here's the this trap that you might be walking into. And then, you know, if the CEO goes down path A, then your job is damage control and figuring out how you're going to message subsequently to hopefully turn things around. So it's very challenging. I I believe that good communications people need to have good writing skills. They need to be good listeners. They need to be, um, in some ways, coaches. Um, they should be very um, knowledgeable about media and social media. They don't necessarily need to be expert in all of those areas, but building a team 
where you have like those kinds of little pockets of expertise. And, uh, you know, I think it's communications. We sort of think of people being talkers. And I actually think a better skill for a communications professional is being a good listener. Mm, interesting. Do you, you mentioned social media there. Do you think maybe because social media relatively is still new to everybody that that's why sometimes, you know, communications people take the old route, the defensive route, and don't actually pay attention to what they're crisis uh, communications person is telling them like, because they're still in the that old school that, you know, press releases work. And You mentioned social media. Do you think that... Uh... We probably still have a lot of people in corporations that are old school that are still, um, you know, thinking that they can issue a news release and it'll make, you know, page three of the daily newspaper. But if you talk to somebody in the media, they will tell you that they are barely looking at news releases, that they're out, you know, they're doing, I think what we heard from uh, a recent conference that I attended is that um, media are more focused on almost being advocates. So there's sort of this advocacy journalism out there. And so if, if I'm a patient and I'm on a wait list for surgery for cancer, and I'm not going to get my surgery for a month, and I go to a, a newspaper to say, I can't believe this, I've got cancer, and I have to wait four weeks for surgery, what if the cancer spreads? You know, it's, it's terrifying, and it's, and it's um, scary, and it makes great headlines. And that's what we're seeing in the media. And so we need to be able to counter that. And the only way I think we counter that is by building relationships in our communities, building relationships with our media and and with our CEOs and our leadership so that we can help to, when we do message, when we do respond to something like that, that we are believed and we are trusted. And the fact that we care comes across as sincere. So, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot of skills, I think, that are beneficial if you're going to move into a communication role. And uh, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's really cookie cutter. I think big, a big thing comes down to instinct and wanting to make a difference and being willing to work long hours. <laughs> so the next thing I'd like to talk about, uh, Janine, is, you know, some of your... You've mentioned some already, but uh, some examples of good communications where things worked well and maybe some examples where things didn't work well, you know, that anywhere in the world that you're aware of, you know, some, and they can be some of your own personal experiences if you wish. Can you kind of give us some uh, insight into some of those? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that sort of always has stayed with me is a campaign we did in southern Alberta on cancer screening. And uh, we had both a breast health and a cervical health clinic that provided screening for women. And they were getting really low um, pickup from those clinics. Like, they're, it was, they were great services, and those people who were using it were very complimentary of the service. But um, we just weren't seeing the kind of numbers that would um, support maintaining those services. 
So we actually, this was a, a while ago, so this was at a time when um, posters were sort of a popular means of generating um, interest in, in, in different topics. So we actually developed with, um, we did some focus groups and we brought in some women of different ages and we showed them some different images. We designed a couple of different um, posters and sort of played around and wanted to have some fun with it. And so we um, actually developed a couple of different formats of, of uh, posters that had some fun with sort of in, in terms of the cervical health um, screening. We used um, a, an image of the bed, so the hospital bed with the stirrups, and then we put a stool beside the bed and we put stiletto heels and we put kick up your heels was one of the, <laughs> the themes. And then we had another version of that poster that had little fuzzy pink slippers on the, um, on the stool. And we put the stiletto heels posters into, um, on the inside of bathroom doors in bars because the, uh, the group that we wanted to capture, the audience that we were targeting with that piece was sort of the younger kind of 18 to 24 age group um, it was a little bit more of a risque image. It was just, you know, we thought we would have some fun with it. And then the slippers one was a little bit of a softer approach, and so we put that in, in some kiosks in malls. Um, we actually put that one on bus stops um, and different places. And then we, and what we did was, in, you know, going back to our conversation earlier about measurement is we sort of said, okay, this is, this is how many of this age group of people that we're seeing in the clinics on a regular basis. And we sort of had all of those stats in place and we, and we said we wanted to increase that by 20%. So that was our target was to get a 20% increase in people coming in for screening. And uh, we did the same, a similar campaign with um, for the breast screening. And we used, you know, this kind of um, image of, with oranges and, you know, that you can imagine was just a little bit um, uh, risque, I guess. It, it, I remember our board chairman, when he when we were sharing the campaign with him, was just, I think he was about 70 years old at the time, and he was looking at the posters <laughs> going, um, really? But we, were, we wanted to have some fun with it, and the audiences that we worked with were, you know, were just sort of saying, well, you know, I'd look at that. I'd stop and I'd, I'd pay attention to that. So we sort of uh, um, took a bit of a risk because it was, you know, Southern Alberta is a little bit more conservative community. And we actually saw, I think in breast health screening, we saw better than 35% increase in traffic. And in our cervical cancer, we didn't quite hit our 20% mark. We hit about 17%, I think, increase in um, the cervical cancer screening. And that was one of the things that, as we were measuring, we just looked at the posters. So we didn't do anything else to begin with. So then we augmented the campaign with other things. We started doing some radio, and we started to do some um, bus ads, like not just at the bus stops, but on some of the buses. And uh, we had uh, we had some really good pickup for that. So that was a really fun campaign to be a part of. Um, I've already talked about the floods in Southern Alberta in 2013. That was a hugely rewarding experience. Um, really enjoyed being part of that. Um, a lot of um, 
campaigns that we've done around mumps and influenza, um, those sorts of things have been um, great fun to be part of. And things it's fun when you actually can measure. Um, so even though it's a very hard thing to do, when you really can measure and you can see that you're making a difference, um, that can that can make the job even more rewarding. Those are just a couple of key examples that I can think of. How about, can you think of any that just went off the rails? You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something maybe you were a part of, but something in the news, you know, um, I know the the United Airlines one was an example. Are there any others you can think of that just simply went off the rails on what you think they did wrong, you know? Well, I can think of... um I can think of some sort of some personal experience. I'm just trying to think how to frame them that won't get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've, I mean, we, we certainly have had examples in a community here where we have, um, you know, people who really want increases in their long-term care beds. And, you know, we, we make, we talk about our community, that community being a priority community. Um, for that kind of service, and that would be one of our key messages. And then by the time we get back to that community, they're no longer a high-profile or high-priority community, and that can be really challenging. So we have to be, you know, in an, in an environment where we don't necessarily get to make all of the decisions because, you know, Alberta Health is funding health services in the province of Alberta, and Alberta Health Services is delivering that service. And so sometimes what um, what we would like to do isn't always possible because of funding limitations. And we can get ourselves into some trouble when we start to appear to be promising something that we don't necessarily have the ability to deliver. And I think there's probably plenty of examples where um, that kind of thing happens and you have a bit of a hole to dig yourself out of. Like most politicians, that sounds like something a politicians do. Make me promises <laughs> and then can't deliver. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, are there any, do you have any, uh, as a final topic, you know, uh, in our last couple of minutes, do you have any tips for people that, you know, about if they want to learn more about communications or look things up, you know, any, anything like that? Organization, um, maybe? Yeah, I really think that there's lots of really great programs out there in the universities and the colleges. I feel like um, those that a lot of people with media background have great success in communications. So having that experience can sometimes be helpful. And I would just really recommend anybody that is interested in this kind of career to spend some time with somebody who's in it, do a little bit of job shadow and get a real sense of, what the job is like and what it entails and how multifaceted it is. The thing that I love the very most about my job is every single day is different and um, every single day is challenging. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Janine. I'd uh, like to uh, make sure everyone understands that communications is a key point in what you're doing. Everything you do, you need to communicate. I sometimes think of it as a big archway, and communications is that cornerstone. You take that Mm -hmm. communications cornerstone out, and the whole thing falls down. Mm -hmm. It's the glue that holds it all together. So thank you very much for joining us, Janine. I've really enjoyed listening to your examples and the communication. 
And everyone out there, if you have a topic you'd like us to uh, discuss on the show or like to be a guest, please feel free. Send me an email at info at stone dash or the hyphen sign road.com. And we'll see about getting you on the show and, uh, or try to find someone to talk about the topic that you want to uh, chat about. So thank you very much again. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been preparing for the unexpected with Alex Ford. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.